God is good all the time. And as always, we say this, and we're going to say this again. Um, I, I think I've um, put this on, uh, on rotation. So it's something that's always going to come up. And that is this, the blessing is in the obedience. Brothers and sisters, if you want to be blessed, you are going to have to find the place of obedience. Being blessed of the Lord is not something that we, that just comes because you and I deserve it or because we earn it or, um, or anything like that. You know, it is, it is May 15th, 2022. And you know what? We haven't earned a thing. We haven't earned God's blessing. Even all the way up to this point, we are still, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before God almighty. So we are grateful. Now, brothers and sisters, we're picking up, we, this has been a fantastic um, study um, that um, in the book of second Chronicles. Um, and uh, for those of you who have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, second Chronicles. If you're not already there, we are in chapter seven, wonderful, wonderful uh, passage of scripture. Um, God's word, I'm telling you, is, is just altogether lovely. I love his word. I, I hope you feel the same way about his word. God's word is incredible. He is incredible. He gives us absolutely everything that we need. There's something in the scripture for every situation, every circumstance, no matter what you go through, no matter where you are or what in, in has come your way in life. And, and many things are going to be unpredictable. You don't know. Um, the scripture teaches that time and chance happen to all things. So you're not going to know ahead of time, all the time, what's getting ready to happen. But is it not a comforting thought to know that even if you're not prepared for it, even if you didn't guess it a four time, okay, or even if no one told you ahead of time, isn't it wonderful to know that come what made the word of God's going to see you through God through his word is going to see you through if you and I will obey. Now, second Chronicles chapter seven, let's look, start at verse number 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place uh, to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's an important part, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. As always, may God richly bless those that hear his word and obey his word. Amen. In fact, you know, that's where you're, we, we say it, <laughs> the blessing is in the obedience. When you obey that word, God's going to come through. God's going to do some things for you and you can count on that. Amen. Amen. Now we, um, we are still talking about this concept um, of second chances and fresh starts. This is the fifth lesson. Um, we didn't know it was going to go this far, but God knew, and he took us this far. As I've said before, um, Second Chronicles chapter 7, um, most people, when they deal with this, it, 
because it houses such a famous scripture, verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves in prayer. Most times, whenever you hear Second Chronicles chapter 7, the mind immediately, almost immediately runs to verse 14, if my people. Um, it is it is such a wonderful scripture. It has been a scripture that has blessed God's people throughout the ages. It's blessing his people right now. Um, and it's comforting, especially in this present day and time. Man, evil is at, is at all time high. Amen. It's running rampant. It is ridiculous out there. It's dangerous out there. It's, I mean, it is, it is dark. But where sin abounds, grace does more, much more abound. It is dark. This is true. But God's light has never been more brilliant than it is right now. The shining of God's light has never been more magnificent. Amen. Uh, it has never contrasted the darkness as brilliantly as it is right now, because it is absolutely true. The darker it, an environment gets, the more brilliant light shows up. Amen. To make that analogy clear to you, it's the difference between looking at fireworks on the 4th of July or any day that you are going to have fireworks. It is the difference of, of, of lighting the fireworks and beholding the splendor of said fireworks during the day versus during the night. Amen. If anybody here is honest about that and is um and has seen that phenomenon the fireworks being um um ignited and the sh the fireworks show starting in the day versus in the at the night you know there's a difference you know that those fireworks never reach their full magnificent um, magnificence until the night is on and just and and and, and as dark as it can be the darker it gets, the more those fireworks contrast the night sky. God's word is just like that. God's way is just like that. And 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 Second Chronicles seven and fourteen, Amen, holds a very prominent scripture that is very helpful to us. Gives us direction when the night is extremely dark. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Wonderful scripture. Nevertheless, it is verse 12 and not verse 14 that we are so much as concerned about. Verse 12 says this, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself and house of sacrifice. Amen. 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 Sin, we said, has consequences. This is something we know. Engaging in sin will cause God to withhold blessings. Amen. It will. It absolutely will. Solomon at this point in our text he already is in possession of that wisdom and knowledge or that wisdom and understanding. He, he's already asked for it and God has already given it. And Solomon decides before we start to get off into 
um, late the later stages in Solomon's career in his life, okay, before he started to kind of derail and go off. In the very beginning, Solomon really operated in that that wisdom, okay, and that knowledge or that wisdom that is from above. Amen. I told you before that wisdom comes in two varieties, and you can see this in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Wisdom comes in two varieties. It either comes from below, brothers and sisters, or it comes from below, okay? And each type has its own characteristics that identify it um, and show clearly what type of wisdom it is, okay? And again, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Please familiarize yourself with that, okay? Because not all wisdom is equal and not all wisdom is across the board. At this stage in Solomon's life, he's operating in the wisdom from above. But when you start to go further into Solomon's life, and you start to see Solomon um, as he is in the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? Then you notice a stark change, okay? Yes, he's still operating in wisdom, and yes, you see see um, um, much of much wisdom from above. But you also begin to, as Solomon begins to recount how he used the wisdom that God gave him, you begin to see how Solomon began to embark on a journey to find the wisdom in the things that were below. So, in other words, he switched gears, and at some point. Solomon began to operate in that wisdom from below. He wanted to know, he wanted to understand everything under the sun. Amen. He wanted to deal with that wisdom that was earthly. He wanted to deal with that other type of wisdom. And because of that, Solomon reached a point, a stage where all he could declare was is that all is vanity, okay, and vexation of spirit. In other words, with his his incessant pursuit of understanding the wisdom of things below, that earthly wisdom, it left him ultimately in a place where he was disgusted, where he was frustrated, where he was disappointed in what he had discovered. What did he discover? He discovered that wisdom, that the time from below, excels folly as much as light excels darkness. There is a thin line between the two. And all because he set his heart to understand the things that were below the sun, when he really should have kept his focus above the sun. What are you focused on today? What have you been focused on this year? Go back even further. What have you been focusing on? What's been your priority? Have you been seeking to really truly get closer to God? Or have you really secretly just been pursuing more from God? Not spiritual, but natural. Lord, bless me with this. Lord, bless me with that and all of these different things. What have you been seeking? With the knowledge and the wisdom, listen, God wants you to have wisdom so much, he gives it away for free. He wants you to ask, he gives it liberally. God, God wants you to have it so much, he's, he's, he's giving it away. 
because he wants you to know how to conduct yourself and to carry yourself in the presence of this world and in his presence. There's a proper way to do both of those things. There is a way to walk before the Lord. And there is a way to walk before this world because you belong to the Lord. You can't just walk before the world any way that you want. I'm sorry, friend, it doesn't work that way. You, if you are a child of God, you are still an ambassador of the most high. And it matters what you say. It matters what you do. It matters who you associate with. It matters how you joke around and play around. All of these different things, all of it matters. Why? Because if you are not careful, you can bring shame and dishonor to the household of faith. You can absolutely misrepresent God Almighty because you're not walking in wisdom. God wants you to have wisdom. When you don't have the wisdom from above, you'll make unnecessary mistakes. You won't perceive the situation that you are in amongst the world. And it will cause you to stand when you really should sit. And it'll cause you to sit when you really should stand because you're not operating in wisdom. And wisdom teaches you that. That's what it does. It teaches you when to stand and it teaches you when to sit. It teaches you when to speak up and when to be quiet. It teaches you what to say and what not to say. And it teaches you when to say what needs to be said. And it helps you understand why some things should never be said at all. This is wisdom. Solomon put his time in with wisdom. And early on, he operated much easier than he did later on in the wisdom that is from above. Because later on, he started to pursue all the wrong types of things with the wisdom that God had given him. Wisdom, I told you, comes in two varieties. It is either from above or it is from below. And please never forget that. Nevertheless, Solomon used the wisdom um, in our text for a very good reason. And when he used that, it caused him, it resulted in him praying a prayer that was so appropriate that to this very day, if you really look at it, okay, God's still answering that prayer to this very day. And we know, and, and we've discovered that the reason why God does this is because our God is a covenant keeping God. Not only is he the only God, the only true and living God, but he happens to be a covenant keeping God. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses nine is your scripture text for that. And it simply says this, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. Okay, don't make no mistake. There ain't nobody else, ain't no other God. The devil gonna come up with all kinds of stuff and get you caught up in all sorts of different things. Even the worship of your own ideas but you're not God. Your idea is not God and people around you not God. It doesn't matter how fancy they want to be. It doesn't matter how, how, how sweeping they are. They're not God. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says, know therefore that the Lord, thy God, he is God. Jehovah is God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus Almighty is God. The faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy 
with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He's a covenant keeping God. You know what that's really telling you? He's telling you this. He said, you know what? Let me tell you about God almighty. He's a covenant keeping God. And he's such a covenant keeping God that he keeps, he kept covenant with your grandparents and your great grandparents and your greatest grandparents. And it's like, he kept he kept covenant with them. He keeps covenant with your mom and with your dad. He's so faithful that he'll keep covenant with your uncles and your aunts. He'll keep covenant not only with your friends, but you know what? He'll keep covenant with you because he's a covenant keeping God. He is a generational covenant keeping God. If he kept it with grandma and grandpa, he's going to keep it with mom and dad. And if he'll keep it with mom and dad, he will keep his covenant with you and I. Don't ever forget what kind of God you serve. Don't forget that. Don't put God in the box with, 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 with all them fake gods. Because see, he's real. Jesus is real. And I wanted to remind somebody that he paid it all. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that again. Jesus paid it all. We serve a good God. We serve a loving God. And there ain't, there's nobody like him. You ask him, he said, I know no other God. He said, there's none beside me. There's none before him. There's none behind him. Amen. Amen. We serve a covenant-keeping God. He is righteous altogether. His splendor, his majesty is unrivaled. And he is faithful when he doesn't have to be. He is faithful. Are you running up against something and or you got something coming up on the horizon? Maybe it's looming and all these sorts of things. Now, listen, I'm not I don't mean when I when, when I talk like this, this don't don't take this as blanket, because if you if you dilly dallying and in, in sin and trying to be slick and all that kind of you ain't going to get nothing. I'm just telling you right now, this don't apply to you. This don't apply to you. So if you secretly trying to do what you want to do, what I'm about to say does not apply to you. It will apply to you when you turn away from your sin, turn away from your unrighteousness, repent of that mess, get that under the blood, get that forgiveness from God, and you start obeying that word. Then what I'm about to say is going to is going to apply to you. But for you who are walking, you, you're doing it, even if you're struggling, you drop the ball, but you keep getting back up because a righteous man falls seven times, but he keeps getting up. Glory to God. That's what the writer tells us. He keeps getting up. He don't, he don't stay down. She don't stay down. No, 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 no. She gets up. He gets up. And my goodness, let me tell you, you got a right to get up because Jesus got up. <laughs> and if Jesus got up, I can keep getting up. You can keep getting up. I know the devil wants you to take a day off, wants you to sit still and be by the sideline. But guess what? He can go do that himself. Let him sit by himself. We're going to rise and we're going to say thank you. We are going to rise and we're going to praise God. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. Now, this is what I want you to know. If you're coming up against something and you're walking and you're doing your best and you're trying to obey those with that word, I want to tell you something. God is going to come to see about you. God is going to make a way out of no way. I wish I could tell you right now how he's going to do it. But all of your situations are different. And at this present moment, God hasn't given me clarity into your individual. He hasn't given me a word of prophecy for you right now. So I don't have anything, a specific prophecy to, to give you. But the prophetic that I do speak in is the word that has already been spoken. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what that's that, that. Look, let me tell you something. That's that's what I'm prophesying. That's what I'm giving you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Notice I didn't come up with something new. I spoke what has already been spoken. Too many people trying to come up with something new, trying to be wild and 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 and, and, and impressive. God don't need you to be press impressive. When you speak the word of prophecy, it need to be accurate. And none is more accurate than saying what God has already spoke. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to tell you that if you're running up against something or something's running up against you, you just hang on in there. Because Jesus said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. The word tells us that you can cast your cares upon him because he careth for you. I want to remind you that God still cares. I know you might be feeling like, man, all is lost and nobody cares. That is a lie from the pit. That is that, that is devil 101. And you need to stop signing up for that class and stop attending that mess because that's all that it is. It is trash before God. It is a lie. What the truth is, is that your God, my God, Jesus Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. And I just want to remind you, it's going to be all right. I know you went to the doctor. They didn't give you the favorable news. It's going to be all right. I don't know exactly what all right looks like. It's custom for every person. But if God said he's going to be there, I know one thing. You just keep the porch light on. He's going to show up. Keep that lamp oiled up and trimmed and burning bright because the I'm trying to tell you the groom is on his way. I'm telling you, God Almighty is going to be there. And I hope that blesses you. Now, again, if you're living foul, you're living wrong. This can apply to you, but it don't apply to you right now. That's just the way that it is. Sorry, I can't change that. But you can. If you will repent of your sins, if you will turn from your unrighteousness and you will turn to God with a whole heart, God will take you right back. He'll get you going in the right direction. He'll get you going again. So that's that's for you. Solomon prayed a prayer that kept going and going. God's answering it even to this day. Sin has consequences. Oh, yes, it does. And it will cause God to stop the flow of blessing. We learned this, Daniel 9-11, That's an emergency. Isn't that the emergency number? <laughs> I know it is. Daniel 9 and 11 is one that tells you, that, listen, it, it, that sin, it'll mess stuff up. Jeremiah 5-25 and Romans 6 and 23. Make sure you familiarize yourself with that. And don't let those scriptures be far from you. See, Solomon knew as we progress that the people were going to mess up. So this is how Solomon actually prayed that prayer. This is what Solomon actually prayed. This is what he did. Because when we get to verse 12 in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the Lord essentially is saying, yes. He's saying, yes, I've heard your prayer. Yes, I'm going to do it. Now we're talking about what he agreed to, what the Lord actually agreed to. See, Solomon knew that the people were going to mess up. He knew that as the day, as long, he looked, he knew that as long as you got blood in your body, as long as you got uh, you on this side of the land of the living, he knows that you, he knew that guess what? You got a sinful nature. Amen. Amen. He knew that. He knew that Deuteronical, uh, one of the Deuteronical books, um, the song of the three youths also, um, 
usually herald as um, an additional passage or scripture to the book of Daniel. Amen. Um, song of the three use or the three um, Hebrew boys or Hebrew children. Amen. It also goes by that name, chapter six, um, and going through six and seven, there's a scripture that takes place in there um, in those two chapters. And it says this, for we have failed and we have acted lawlessly by rebelling against you. And we have sinned in everything. And we did not listen to your commands. We have not kept them or done as you commanded us that we, it would be well for us. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What did those two scripture sets just tell us? It tells us that people mess up. It tells you that we mess up. Solomon knew that the people would mess up and they would fall into sin. Now, remember, they had just finished building the temple. The temple is being dedicated. They're getting ready to worship or they're worshiping before the Lord. And now he's praying a prayer for this, this dedication. And this is what Solomon is saying. Before the Lord. He spoke something on behalf of the people. He prayed on behalf of the people. He used the wisdom and knowledge that God had given him to pray a prayer that was going to last through generations, even to this very day, is God still answering this prayer? What did Solomon ask for? Brothers and sisters, I'm glad that you asked that question. What Solomon prayed for was the privilege of having access to forgiveness whenever one would fall into sin. If that person who would fall into sin would turn again towards God. This is what verse 14 was about, but we're not really going to get into that, okay? He prayed for the privilege of having forgiveness. Solomon literally prayed for the opportunity for you and I to pray and seek God and ask for forgiveness if we should fall into sin. The wisdom from above that Solomon operated in led him to the ultimate conclusion that God's people were still people and they had a sinful nature and they were prone to make mistakes. And so what Solomon prayed for was not for riches and fame and for honor and for all of these things. He didn't ask them to God to fill the bank accounts of the people. He didn't ask them to ask God to give them all of their heart's desire. He didn't ask God to give them all of these these natural and physical things. No, no, and more no. What Solomon did was he took a look at the human condition and knew that long after he would be off the scene, the human condition would still be present. Sin would still be antagonistic and the people would need a way to get right with God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He knew that you was gonna need some forgiveness. He knew that the people were going to need a way to get it right. 
He knew it. Why? Because did he pray for this? Why would he ask for that? He would do so because he remained at this point very much aware that sin will cause God to withhold blessings. That was the point that I gave you before going here. Sin causes problems. Sin will cause God to stop the flow, the fount of blessing. Sin will do that all day long. And he knew that if the people of God would fall into sin, it did not matter where they were and how blessed they were at this point and how much they were enjoying the blessings of God. Solomon knew that if they decided to take a day off from righteousness and walk in unrighteousness, he knew that God was not going to take kindly to that. And it was going to result uh, in God withholding his blessing. And because of that, Solomon said, I need a way for the people to be able to get back where they were before they dropped the ball. I need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Glory to God. I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, but I feel pretty good. I'm glad that somebody prayed and ask God for on my behalf that, that I would still be given the right to ask God for forgiveness. I don't know how you feel about it, but I just don't get everything right. No, I don't get it right. I don't always get it right. You don't always get it right. Sometimes you mess it up as the day is long, but I'm so glad that, and, and, and that somebody operated in that wisdom from above and knew that what was going to be most needed in that hour was not another blessing in the in the bank account or financial or physical no 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 that the blessing that was going to be needed in that very hour was a blessing that would allow me to get right before God because none but the righteous shall see God I hope you hear it 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 I really do I really do Oh, the magnitude of this prayer was incredible when you go back and you research it and go through all of what of what Solomon actually asked for. It is absolutely incredible. You don't I, I, I don't even know if you understand. It was so airtight that he kept keeping covenant year after year. Decade after decade, century after century, as new people came on the scene, God kept honoring the prayer that Solomon prayed, giving you and I an opportunity to come to him when we've fallen so he could pick us up and turn us around and place our feet on solid ground. Because somebody prayed a prayer, do you realize that when Jesus stepped down through 42 generations and went to an old rugged cross, he was keeping covenant because somebody prayed a prayer that said, I know he's going to mess up and I know they're going to mess up. God used Solomon to pray a prayer through him that God 
for centuries, for centuries, for generations, for generations, even to this very point. I'm, I, you know, I get, get excited when I think about this, the, the magnitude of this. Jesus was going to the cross. Why? Because he was keeping covenant. Because he was answering the prayer. Because somebody said that if they should turn away, if they should fall, there got to be a way to come back. And because it was in line with what God wanted, God said, I'm going to do one better. And I'm not going to just bring their sins and push it forward another year. But I'm going to provide the final sacrifice, the one the end that is going to end it all, the only sacrifice they would ever need. I'm talking about the one that was going to take that sin and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. Oh, man, I'm telling you, God is good this morning. God is good. He's really good every morning. But I'm just telling you, just when you start thinking about what God was doing on your behalf, you see, sometimes you don't think about why things go the way they are. Why did God do it this way? What was actually going on behind the scenes? Somebody was praying for you. Somebody prayed for you. God put some wisdom in somebody's heart that allowed them to pray a prayer that was beyond their own intelligence. And God prayed that prayer through him. And God's been answering it ever since. He was answering it. Glory to God. Glory to God. I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. Because he was answering that prayer. Oh, my goodness. God was answering that prayer. When you decided that you was going to go left and you were going to hang with those people who would ultimately turn your heart away from God and you would fall into sin. And before you knew it, you'd find yourself where you shouldn't have been. God had somebody that prayed a prayer in advance that said, if you come to your senses, when the day comes that you wake up and realize that you're in sin, Lord, take them back. God, take them back. Lord, bring them back. Bring them back. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Glory to God. Glory to God. The ability to ask for forgiveness that we enjoy today, that ability is a divinely given privilege or benefit that our brother Solomon prayed for. But, yeah, he prayed for it. But our Lord and God, Jesus, paid the price for. You see, that prayer, glory to God, required a price. And I hope you hear it this morning. But when he asked for that, see, that one came with a price tag. That came with something. But the price for that one was too high because the wages of sin was death. You see, Solomon was praying for the opportunity to come back even after you engaged in sin. But God had already spoken that the wages of sin is still death. 
So now Solomon's prayed a prayer, but God has already sent forth a decree. So how is God going to answer this prayer when he's already spoken a decree that said, I'm not going to tolerate sin. I'm not going to parlay with sin. I'm not going to negotiate with sin. But yet my son has prayed a prayer and asked that I would forgive me all, that I would forgive him and his brothers if they would fall into sin. He knew that there was a price tag, but the prayer was so right. The prayer was so on point. The prayer was what we needed. It was beyond Solomon's ability. God wanting to pray and God, God wanting to answer that very prayer knew that there was a price that had to be paid. And so God prepared himself a body, came down through 42 generations, went to an old rugged cross. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. My Bible tells me that he hung there, that he bled, that he died, but he got up on resurrection ground one Sunday morning with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Why? Because the prayer had a price, but only God could pay it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And why did he pray? Why did he pray it? Because he said, I still love you. I still want you. I still need you. I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. And I know you can't do it yourself. I know you can't do it yourself. Solomon prayed the prayer, but Jesus paid the price. Glory to God. 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 He's all right. He's all right. He is all right. He's all right. I don't know how you feel about it, but he's all right in me. He's all right. He's all right. God, you're worthy. You're worthy. Solomon prayed the prayer. <laughs> Solomon asked for a request and even though this is how you know the wisdom from above was involved in this thing because Solomon prayed and he asked for the privilege of forgiveness but that prayer was beyond him because he didn't know fully what he was asking for. He didn't know there was a price tag associated with it. He didn't know that in order for God to make good on this prob this promise that he was getting ready to make, that blood was going to have to be shed on somebody's behalf. He knew that only the blood of the righteous, the spotless lamb of God, that's the only blood that was going to be able to wash my dirty soul and make it clean again. Glory to God. He knew. God knew, but Solomon didn't. He was praying by wisdom, a prayer that was beyond him. But God knew what was going to be required. And God knew what he was going to need to do. And God knew that he still loved you and that you were worth it. 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 So he went to a cross, paid for sins that wasn't his own. Why? Because you was worth it. Because you was worth it. Because you were worth it. Because you were worth it.
because you were worth it. Because you were worth it when you don't feel good. God said you are worth it when you don't feel like you can make it. God said you are worth it when you feel like the world is all against you. God said you are worth it. God said you were so worth it that I hung, bled, and died just so you could get up when you fall down. Why? Because you're worth it. You're worth it. You are worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. And I know one thing. God might have saw me as being worth it. But now I can see that he's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Worthy of the praise. Worthy of the adoration. Why? Because he went to a cross on my behalf. He was making a way out of no way. Glory to God. Glory to God. I didn't intend to preach, but that's what I got this morning. I got a stirring in my soul and I feel good about it because God said I was worth it. And he kept going and he kept going and he kept going and he kept going and going and going. Solomon prayed the prayer. <clears throat> but our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, paid the price. Don't believe that? Look at Luke. 23 and 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and they cast lot. Still don't believe it. Look at John 19, 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon put it upon hyssop and put it up to his mouth when Jesus therefore received the vinegar he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost still don't believe it look at Romans chapter 5 look at 8 and 9 said but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him not convinced yet look at 1 John chapter 2 verse number 1 my little children these things write I unto you that ye sin not and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous my lord my god said you were worth it said I was worth it he paid it all he paid it all he paid it all oh yes he did Oh, yes, he did. See, forgiveness is a privilege. Psalms 32 and 2 says it like this. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Look at Romans 4 and 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin do you hear it this morning? Forgiveness is a privilege, I said. But not only that, it's a divine requirement. Come in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 15. But if ye forgive not men 
their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is a divine requirement, not convinced yet. Look in Mark chapter 11, verse 26, glory to God. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. It's a divine privilege, but it's a divine requirement. All at the same time, you need it, but you also got to give it in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. 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 Look at 2 Chronicles. Chapter six, I told you that our text in seven was God saying yes to that prayer. But look at, go back a chapter. Look at second Chronicles chapter six. And I want you to look at verse 21. He said, hearken, this is Solomon talking unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel. I told you he used wisdom to pray. And this is what he said, hearken unto the unto the supplications of thy servants. That means the prayers. God, I need you to listen. I need you to stop and take notice. God, I need you to ponder this. God, I need you to consider this. God, please don't move past this. God, please don't go through the motion of this. But God, I need you to take this next request. And God, I need you to put your eyes on it. I need you to put your heart on it because I need you to do this thing, God. I need you to listen to this. Hearken. Therefore, unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel. Lord, it's not just me, but the people need this one too, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive. Lord, I need you to hear it, not just when I cry, but I need you to hear when your people cry, when they come to this place, when they turn towards this place, when they turn towards your righteousness and away from their unrighteousness. Lord, I'm in that moment, wherever you are from your dwelling place, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the, listen, God, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, whatever may be going on, when they turn to you with their whole heart, I need you to hear it. I need you to hear it. I need you to hear it. And not just hear it, God. But when you hear, forgive. Forgive. See, when we, when we consider this thing and we really get down into it, we come to understand that truly God has done so much for us, we'll never be able to repay. No, we never will. And the truth of the matter is, the Lord knew that you would not be able to repay. 
he knew that you were not going to be able to repay it all. And he knew, in fact, you were going to more likely mess up far more than you get it right. But because he had already determined that you were worth it, and because he had already determined to answer Solomon's prayer, he knew there was a price that was going to be associated with it. He had every right to make us pay that price ourselves, but that is not what he did. The implication of this is simply that the Lord knew that saying yes to that prayer of Solomon's was going to mean that he himself, God Almighty, was going to have to help us do our part. He knew that it was going to require a sacrifice and that we could not pay it. So the implications is that he knew, he said yes, full well knowing that he was gonna have to do it all. He was gonna have to pay for it. He said yes, knowing, knowing that it was gonna cost him something. a price that he shouldn't have to pay. He knew that. He knew that. My goodness, the Lord has been good this day. There is, this has been the fifth lesson. And you really can't really wrap this thing up talking about forgiveness without fully exploring and spending some time to talk about the counterweight to the balance of forgiveness, which is repentance. We didn't explore repentance too much this go around, but it looks like we got ourselves another lesson on our hands. So we will take this for a sixth lesson. And in the next lesson, we will talk about the counterweight to the forgiveness. We'll deal with repentance and Lord willing, we'll wrap this thing up then, but we praise the Lord for the word. I don't know about you, but it has been absolutely wonderful and it's been better than i than surely i deserve i am thankful for the word this morning we will pick this up next week lord willing with our sixth lesson as we continue this topic of second chances and fresh starts until then brothers and sisters walk in the love of god obey the word and turn away from sin and god will bless you immensely. Until next time, God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Mm -hmm.